Brian, we talk a lot on this podcast about guest experience, but something that doesn't get discussed as often as it should, especially in vacation rentals, is guest amenities. That's right, Matt. Offering basic guest amenities like soap and laundry pods in every property is key to providing a great guest experience. The problem is, it's a huge pain for property managers to pull that off. From purchasing and storing everything to getting all those boxes kitted up for each home. No wonder we hear so often for property managers that turn days suck. That's why we're excited to be partnering with Sojo, who is on an absolute mission to make turn days suck less by automating your guest amenities. Sojo guest amenity boxes are uniquely created for each of your homes filled with luxury amenities, beautifully packaged up room by room, plus extras like paper goods and trash bags. They'll connect to your reservation calendar and ship those boxes to you right in time for every turn day. No more storing or kidding. Sojo takes care of you step by step. And Sojo is offering 30 days of free guest amenities to GuestX listeners. Claim your free amenities and learn more at GetSojo.com forward slash GuestX. That's GetSojo, S-O-J-O.com forward slash guest and the letter X. Go and claim your free guest amenities today. Welcome to the Guest X Podcast, where my co-host Brian Hamawi and I uncover the latest technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising customer expectations and forever changing how we define customer experience. If you are passionate about creating incredible content and unique experiences, join us as we talk to leading product and experience experts across the globe and learn how today's most successful brands are setting themselves apart from the competition. Good morning, Mr. Hamawi. How are you, my friend? Excited today. Uh, today, I think we are going to have one hell of a, a chat. Uh, really excited about our guest. So I'm good. Today's yeah, a good day. You should be excited. Before we jump in, special thanks to Sojo, you know, who came on as one of our newest partners, really doing some incredible things in guest amenities, particularly in vacation rentals. But want to give them a little shout out. We are definitely, though, starting off. 2022 with with some I would call power gas right a couple of weeks ago we did the founder of Orbits and today probably none bigger than Dijuan Rivers who is our guest today I'm excited Brian yeah so Dijuan I know him personally from the gym this guy is as passionate about working out and outdoor activities as he is about the hospitality industry in general Dijuan's been in the industry for over 30 years he's a veteran with Walt Disney Company he's been the vice president of Disney's Animal Kingdom big part in downtown Disney some of the Hawaiian resorts so his background and the knowledge that he has is absolutely incredible and i'm really excited for our audience to to listen to where he came from what he's all about and and really how he started in this business and where he's taken it to so dijuan welcome to the show we're really excited to have you i don't know if you could tell i'm excited to have him hey brian thanks <laughs> i uh, really appreciate the opportunity so dijuan before we get into the topic of guest experience i think and, and i was talking about this with matt we were saying how do we start this podcast but for me it was pretty humbling to listen to where you came from your beginnings and then how you got into the travel space like what inspired you to get into travel 
let our audience know, you know, where you come from. What was that base? Sure. It's probably a very unorthodox approach relative to most people who are listening to this. I attended university in Atlanta, in economics, and I thought I was going to be a doctor. Needless to say, I had a chance to work and that, that was not the task for me. But I needed a job and I worked at the Marriott Marquis downtown Atlanta. And in that job, I had a chance to meet a lot of people. I checked in a couple of Disney executives and told them, hey, I worked at Disney in high school. What's the opportunity of getting back there? And someone opened the door and that's really was my entree back into Disney. I started off on the resort side, bell services, guest services, the whole nine yards in the, in the front office area and sort of matriculated through the growth of Walt Disney World. I ultimately ended up as a general manager of Wilderness Lodge Resort. And that was the start of the executive component. Like all jobs, when you start off with exactly what you thought was going to be the pinnacle of your job, things change. And Disney went and launched the Disney Cruise Line. And they needed someone to do it because very few people want to give up their life on land and go live on a ship. So I had the opportunity of being the hotel director on board the Disney Magic and the Disney Wonder for a few years. Came back and uh, took over Disney's new sort of uh, value product. The All-Star had just reached 5,800 rooms, and I became the general manager of that. Did that for a few years and then went into sales and marketing and ran our call centers. So I did call center work for about two or three years and then moved over to what was formerly known as uh, Downtown Disney, which is now Disney Springs. Spent a few years over there, became vice president. And that's when Disney was really getting into international business. And I had a, a hankering for that. So I, I raised my hand to everyone I possibly could and told them I was interested. And the gentleman that was in charge of international business development called me up one day and said, hey, are you ready to jump ship and come over to business development? And I said, hey, you, you open the door. I'm, I don't know, five weeks after that call, I was on a plane to Australia, working on a deal, uh, one of the international deals that were actually never came to fruition. But it happened that quick where we got a chance to go and start doing work or around the world for Disney, trying to find new opportunities to spread our footprints. And that's when we were looking at strange places like Shanghai Disneyland. It's a possibility of doing that. Uh, so there was another group that was working on that project. And then that lasted for about a year or so. And then we we're really trying to figure out, can we create a destination resort? And the opportunity to work on the Alani Resort in Hawaii passed in front of me. So I was customer number one. I was on the island for two and a half years by my developing, working on that project with the governmental folks from government affairs, the financial institutions that, that you have to use to build these projects, the construction team. And then it was me and our WDI person and our construction team, all of which commuted in, but I was the actual resident there and really spent five and a half years in Hawaii, five years in Hawaii. And once that property opened, I knew I was going to be with, without a job. The day before Christmas, 2000, and what was it, 11? My boss came to me and said, what's your favorite city in the world? And I said, Paris, of course. And he just shook his head. Okay, okay, okay. And then uh, two later, he came back. Two days later, he came back to me and said, "This is what December twenty eighth or something like that." He said, uh, "You have a flight booked for you on January eighth. You're going to Paris." So I, what I did tell you about was the, the job in business development happened even even faster. Disney moves you with very little notice, at least for me in my career. 
So I flew to Paris, met my team, and uh, commuted back and forth from Hawaii to Paris for a while, and then ultimately ended up in Paris for almost three years, moved back to Orlando, where I had a chance to really do a job I've always wanted to do. From day one, I've always wanted to run one of our theme parks, and Animal Kingdom was available, and not just available, but at the best time ever. We were we was the largest infusion of funds into Animal Kingdom since its open, opening. We had a chance to totally reinvent the guest experience. It, was, it had a reputation of being just a half-day park. And it was really, let's build this to a full-day experience, including night experiences, additional icon, iconic attractions like uh, Avatar. And then on uh, May the 4th, be with you. I, I walked out of the door. So I made my announcement. Actually, a... A year ago yesterday, on January 6th, a year ago, I made the announcement that I was going to retire and I stayed on for a few months later and left on May 4th and relocated back to Paris. So that's a nutshell. Yeah. This is going to happen. I am going to (laughs) retire and I'm going away. And I was like, this guy's nuts. What do you mean you're going to retire? It's an incredible background and a great history with a company. You didn't really start there. Travel for you started at a very young age. Oh yeah. Travel for me started, I can tell you the exact date, believe it or not, which is strange. I think it was like October the 3rd, 1988. I I read an article about being a courier for companies and you get to go and drop off packages and envelopes representing the documents that were being sent. And you get to fly around the world and all you had to do is drop off a piece of paper. And I, I was all over that. And that was really the start of my adventurous career. I think everyone at work and my family worked for the CIA or something because I would get a call on Wednesday and, you know, Friday I would end up in Guatemala or somewhere down in Chile or Turkey or Indonesia. (laughs) We just transpired into you doing something. Guys, if you have a chance, look up to Juan's profile because not only is he an executive, but he's an athlete. Like, I don't know how you find time and balance time between work, et cetera, but climbing, I know some of the tallest mountains in the world and and doing some extreme things that all of us would hope to do. Maybe, I don't know, some crazy people like us would hope to do one. But I think the last one that I saw you do was flying upside down on a trick, on a trick uh, plane. So yes, look it up because not only is his history in hospitality crazy, but his athletic side of it is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's life goals. That's, that's what we talked about yesterday is life goals. And then I actually, after we got done talking yesterday, I told my team here, I said, hashtag winning. That is just like some of the things Dijuan's getting to do, but Dijuan, going back to your career in hospitality, one of the things that's interesting for me that jumped out, obviously really successful, but successful in a number of different verticals. You go hotels to amusement parks, operationally, I'm sure some things are similar, but, but, you know, a lot, there's a lot, there's a big difference between those, but yet in all of them, that client experience is paramount. And we chatted just briefly yesterday, but I, I think it would be helpful because as you went into all these positions, some of them brand new resorts, but some of them, like you mentioned, animal kingdom, is one of my daughter's favorite resorts. Like she loves to go there, but it wasn't always that way. So some of you were coming in midstream. They needed to be, I'm not going to use the word fixed, but you know, you were pivoting. 
Breezeway is all about uncovering initiatives that are forever changing the guest experience. Breezeway's best-in-class property operations and messaging platform helps do just that by helping operators differentiate their brand and deliver more service to their clients. Breezeway's smart messaging tools makes it easy to send welcome messages, resolve in-house issues, share status updates, and offer stay extensions and other services. Powering operations with messaging also enables automated text to notify guests when a property is ready for check-in, along with assigning work orders to your staff to second guests message in with a request. Combine the power of your operations with client communications and visit breezeway.io forward slash guest X to learn more. That's breezeway.io forward slash guest X to learn more. So how does someone, regardless of the vertical, how, yeah. how would you step back and go, okay, here's, here's where we need to take that client experience. Here's the improvements we need to make. Where does that start? And Matt, that's a good question. As you said, the verticals have been everything from Disney Vacation Club, which is timeshare, hotels, resorts, theme parks, sales and marketing, all the way to business development. And whether you're sales and marketing or business development, which doesn't necessarily seem direct guest experience, it truly is. I think for me, the first thing I had to realize is I didn't know everything. And so I think you have to really take an assessment of your environment. And that's probably been a benefit for me. But, you know, like I said, I have a degree in, 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 in economics and and I didn't know a lot about the hotel business when I started. So I really had to dig in and understand the business and take an assessment on what are the key drivers in this business? What are the, the KPIs that really make a business tick? What, what is a guest looking for? And when you say guest, it's your guest. Disney has a guest. If you work for Marriott, you have a particular guest. You know, our, our, all our individual businesses cater to certain niches. And I think understanding what drives your niche and what drives your guest experience is first and foremost. And then I think you have to take an assessment of what your frontline customers, employees know and think. These guys deal with the guests every single Everyone thinks that a spreadsheet or a vice president has the best knowledge of what's going on. But in actuality, it's the person that is on the tarmac who is engaging with them. What often they don't know how to do is how to solve it because they're trying to solve problems with the tools that they have. And so as leaders, we need to ensure that we've created the best tools for our individual frontline team to use to engage with our guests. And I think those, those are probably some of the best ways to start off. You ask a lot of questions. You don't have to be the guy with all the answers initially. That's your job. You get paid for it and ultimately you'll, you'll get there. But initially you got to ask a lot of questions and understand the primary, secondary, and tertiary issues to a problem. Typically we try and solve the primary issue, but really it could be that tertiary one that has an issue. Yeah, there's some great advice right there because you're right. You, I love that analogy, not the analogy, but I love the kind of pointing out that those frontline employees, they know the problem, but when they think about how to fix it, they just think of it in the here and now because that's really, they don't have time. They are, they're putting out fires. 
So if you don't if you don't step back and give them the ability to fight those fires, it also I think leads to employees getting frustrated because employees know good ones they want to provide a good guest or client experience, and if they can't because their hands are tied, then they become frustrated and kind of jaded. But it's the ones who the answer is always "What do you need?" or the question right. "What do you need?" "What can I get you?" "What do you need?" Those are the employees. I think they they feel even more empowered. And they just keep driving that guest experience further. I think it's one of them is, is leadership. I think you have to have very strong leadership that knows what they want out of their team members. I think the other thing, and it's very unique coming from a company like Disney, the culture that you build behind it. If you inspire people, and, and I think inspire, maybe not the right word, but people like to, to follow people that inspire them. I, I always go back to this story where, and I hear from customers all the time, go to Disney, kids crying, there's a custodian that's there, and the guy's sweeping the floor, sees this little kid crying, grabs his broom, dips it in water, has the ability to draw a Mickey Mouse face on the pavement, and all of a sudden tears go away, and you've got this giant smile, and you've just turned the entire vacation around. These parents are in complete awe that a custodian, a guy sweeping the floor, has the ability to interact and not just be somebody that's cleaning the floor, but part of that guest experience. Talk to us a little bit about the culture behind developing people and people's skills, even down to some of the simplest and possibly some of the hardest roles in the parks, because you've got to keep them motivated somehow, that they aren't just people cleaning the floor they are part of the entire experience. Very well said, Brian. I think that leadership needs to ensure that everyone along the chain knows that their individual piece is a huge contribution to the overall final product. I don't care how well a chef can prepare a fabulous meal. If that plate is dirty, that the dishwasher didn't do, you've lost it. Try and drink a $200 bottle of champagne and a flute that has spots on it. It's lost. And so the way people feel important about their jobs is that the people around them make them feel important. It's important for me as the vice president when I walk around the park or if I'm eating in the cast cafeteria or if I stop by a restaurant that I walk into that dishwashing room that I go and talk to the guy who's panning the street and ask him how he's doing. I think the failure is that people think that you need to do something big. Oh, I got to give this person a award. No, you want to make that person feel like, number one, that they're being seen, like they're just a human. So go engage with them. They have a family. They have children. Their kids have aspirations. They have aspirations. Get to know that. And then let them know in this piece of that conversation that what you are doing, see that lady over there? You have changed her life. Talk story to them. Hawaii is in Hawaiian. There's a term called talk story, and it means that you share experiences. I think you have to share those stories and paint it in such a way that people understand. You know, Brian, we were talking earlier, just before we started the mic, about your ability to speak Spanish. It's difficult, and I live in France now, so I know what it's like. It's difficult to get the full experience if someone's not speaking to you in your language. So it's important for us to make all of our cast members, whether they speak Spanish, whether they speak French, Haitian, Creole, Vietnamese, whatever, 
those individuals who are typically some in some cases have the greatest contact with our guests because of some of the work that they're doing don't get the attention that they need and you you have to make it a point to to do that and if you do it if people see me the vice president doing it then they'll do it and there's one one of the things i wanted to ask you Brian alluded to how much you are spending now traveling. Some of you've traveled really the globe now and before, but even now, probably more so in retirement and getting to do it more for leisure. Where's the travel industry still missing, do you think? It doesn't have to be a particular segment, but just is it, and then where do we take it from here? Because it does, it needs to keep improving, obviously. It's going to keep improving. But as you travel around, where do you feel like the, is there anywhere the disconnects are or is it still just back to the people, right? That we've just got to keep improving the people because the hospitality industry has taken a beating with COVID and some people leaving hospitality going, look, it's a lot of work. You're not paid the greatest. I'd be curious if you've given any thought and I know I'm springing that on you, but I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think the world now is in a very different place than it was two years ago, three years ago. We've become more aware of who we are. People are more selfish about who they are. You're seeing more and more people want their own time. They're not wanting to, to work like I did 33 years for a company, 20 hours a day. And that's not happening to this next generation. People want to work at home. The last three years were very sensitive by childcare, all these things. So the demand on leadership to pay even closer attention is even higher. I think people were accepting the behavior of folks in the past, but now it's it's not even gonna be accepted. People are, your frontline cast members who are employees who are delivering that content are not gonna deal with it. So we, as an industry, really need to make sure how we make their experience the best that frontline leadership and that first level of leadership tends to get left out the most. We end up giving a lot to the, to, in some cases, when we get aware of the situation, we'll give a lot to the frontline cast members and executives get a lot. But the management that deals with the frontline sometimes get left out. And so you cannot leave these people out, whether it's training or giving them an experience that they go, oh, I know how I felt when my boss did this, I assume that my employees, cast members will have the same reaction if I do the same. Brian, that's a really good point. You and I have talked about, I've struggled as a leader. I, I am, I'm someone who, I derive energy. I derive ideas from the exchange with people, usually in a one, not in a one-to-one, but in a live setting. And now recruiting, you know, Explorey's going through a, a big growth right now. And I think we've got, I don't know, eight open positions, which for, for us is like another 10, 15% jump in employees. And there are some high levels and I'm talking to employees who they're not coming to the office and, and I'm trying to adjust. And it, it is really hard because it's not that they don't want to be successful and tie themselves to your company. Like sometimes we take it personally. Like, what do you mean you don't want to come in and who wouldn't want to spend 15 hours a day with me? But it is hard right now on, on leaders, I think. It's very hard on leaders. I think the dynamics have changed significantly over the last two to three years. 
I think there's been an increase. I see it even on the management side, the expectation from owners to managers and then from guests to managers, the communication, the level of communication that guests are expecting, whether it's because technology is advanced or just people expect so much more on cleaning and maintenance and rapid response. Everything's instant. And so I think we've actually complicated things drastically and set ourselves up for some serious failures if we don't start thinking about how to put some procedures in place to improve some of the training. So how do you do that, Dijuan? If you were still operating some of these parks, what would be some of the things that you would put in place knowing that guest expectations have changed so much? Is it through teaching? Is it through putting new leaders or advancing leaders that are within your organization, having them instill some new processes and procedures, like how do you monitor, especially with staff that is so large across the board? Especially in the service industry in, in Florida, we have these massive teams, right? People are in charge of, a frontline leader could be in charge of 30, 40 people. My business had 8,000 people. My boss had all four parks and you can imagine, do the math on the multiplier of that. A lot of people that you have to deal with. First of all, I think people have to recognize that they have to understand that people have changed. This is not the same world we were in. So don't expect to do the same thing you did before because you're going to get a bad outcome. Even if what you did was great, it's no longer acceptable. And I think working with your HR departments and your, and your training and development teams to understand where the gap is. What can you teach a person online? What can you teach a person in person in a classroom? And what can you teach a person on the job training? And each of those need to be um, implemented. We all know that the cost of training is enormous. You do the math and say, okay, I'm going to spend three hours of training on this individual. And you have a thousand people working for you. That's 3,000 hours and the average cost of 25 bucks or even higher, depending on your EB costs. It's a lot of money and a lot of folks. So you have to be really clear about what you want to train and uh, the methods by which you get the biggest bang for your buck. And each one of those things, I think, have a purpose. And we have to do so many regulatory stuff that's mind-blowing. That's in itself can siphon all your money before you can even get to the guest experience piece. So you have to figure out how do you do that and make sure that's under, under compliant. But I do think you have to capitalize on all those two tools, understand which of those tools work best with each audience and start working. With, don't skip a layer. In other words, I think sometimes we believe we can skip that frontline or second line leadership. The lesson in leadership today, Brian, what I've heard mostly from Dijuan is back to basics. Get down there with the people, understand where they are today. And we used to talk in the restaurant industry, quit trying to swim upstream. And to, to Dijuan's point, I don't know where this ends or where we end up back settling, but it won't be where it was before. It, will it be all the time remote employees? I don't know, but it won't be everybody back in a central office all in this one tower. So instead of trying to fight that as leadership is get in there and go, okay, how can we use some of that to our advantage? And in the places where it, it is counter to where we need to go, what tools are out there and how do we get there instead of just trying to muscle it maybe back to where you want it to be. And sometimes as a leader, that's just because to your point, Dijuan, I had success maybe in the past as a leader 
when the facts were X and I'm trying to make the facts X again so that I can control right. that variable. It's not that leaders are, I don't think you know, good leaders don't set out and go, I don't care. They're just trying to maximize the odds of success and they can only think about or put it against the background of experiences that they have. And nobody has these experiences. So you can't, it's understandable. Yeah. And I think using technology to help augment the guest experience as well as the employee. As you were talking, I was trying to, to recant a place I remember, but I had a conversation with someone. And because of my history, I had a really hard time understanding what this person was proposing. And then all of a sudden the, the light went out. They're trying to propose that their frontline customers who were checking in people only worked two or three days a week in person, but they would get a full week's pay. And I was like, how, do you, how can you afford that? And they have these virtual workstations where people can still work, but they can work at home and they can check in a guest in a remote location. So imagine being able to be a front desk clerk or guest relations person or whatever, being able to talk to a guest from your home with a visual screen, but they, they're still putting in the same amount of time as the person who actually physically drives to work and are directly in front of our guests. And there are guests that will naturally gravitate to these types of technology and guests who may need a little extra care that, you know, you obviously would have someone on hand. But I do think we have to figure out technology is not solely for the purpose of solving the guest experience anymore. It's really solving the experience for the people that you as well. It's, it's a, before we are very much in their silos and it's like this, uh, if you ask me. I think you're right. And by solving, again, their issues, you are going to improve your guest experience because they're going to be happier employees. They're going to be more vested in the company. So it's great advice. Did you want, thank you so much. Like the time spent today and all the way from Paris, we can't thank you enough. And congrats again on an incredible career. I am glad to see you're out really enjoying all that hard work you put in over, over 20 years at Disney and um, traveling the globe. I'm going to live vicariously through you. Uh, I need I you to, yeah, time, right? I, well, I, yeah, I need him. I was going to, my <laughs> offline, I was going to add, do you have a blog I can follow so that when the nights get really dark here, I can just say, you know what, let's <laughs> figure out where Dijuan, where in the world is Dijuan? But thank you so much. Just, uh, just go my Instagram. I love it. I love it. Okay. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Take care. Have a good evening. Morning for you. And morning for us. Thank you. Take care. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X, a member of the Hospitality Podcast Network. Be sure to sign up for our email listing, guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us on your favorite podcast app. We are Brian Hamawi and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a customer experience worth talking about.